after we have had the vaccine or after you have um, uh, had the COVID uh, uh, virus in your body, um, does, it, does it mean that you can still get it again? Or does it mean that you, you have a, a, a chance of getting it again and it not being very symptomatic as far as getting very sick? What, what exactly does it mean once you have received uh, the vaccine or you have already had the virus? What happens after that? That's an excellent question. And there's several answers and I'll go through it piece by piece. The first um, most important question is, if I get vaccinated, that means the two vaccines, as you know, it comes in two steps. When will I get the effectiveness of that vaccine? So for example, tomorrow I'm getting my second vaccine, but that vaccine doesn't actually protect me for another 10 days. So that's the first thing that's important to know is that once you've had your second vaccine shot, you're not fully protected for another 10 days. And then the second thing that's really important to know is when you become quote unquote fully protected, you're only protected 95% effective, which means it's reducing your risk of illness by about 95%, which is great. We're very excited by that number, but there's still a possibility, even with the vaccine, that you can contract COVID. And we do not know if you're vaccinated and you don't quote unquote get the disease or if you get it and you're asymptomatic, meaning you don't even know you have it, can you transmit it to another person? <clears throat> so while you have the vaccine in your body, you can still get COVID. It's a small chance, but you can still get it. If you get it, you can still transmit it to someone you love. And that is why the CDC, which is kind of the think tank around Dr. Fauci that talks about what is best recommendation, is saying that getting the vaccine is a great way to try and protect yourself, but because it's not foolproof, it's really important to continue wearing masks, distancing, um, minimizing how much contact you have with people outside of your immediate family that you live with. So that's answering your first question, I believe, about the vaccinated folks are vaccinated. The second question is even more interesting from a medical perspective, because now that when you get COVID, let's say you're recovered from it, you know you had a positive result, you didn't have bad symptoms, you got a negative result a few weeks later, you're like, wow, I, you know, I had COVID, but it was no big deal. You can get it again and again. And we know that now because the people who were in New York City and who gotten it a year ago, we're watching them and they have gotten it again and again. And now that we have variants on COVID, you may have gotten one strain before and you may be susceptible to another strain now. So unlike the chicken pox, where once we get the chicken pox as kids, we know we're good. We're not gonna get the chicken pox again not like that. COVID can come back and it's coming back with different variants. So given that, again, that's why the CDC continues to 
strongly recommend good mask usage, social distancing, good hand hygiene, and really try to limit your exposure to anyone that you don't live with, which is really hard to continue to do a year in. People are getting tired of this. It's hard to do. But it's really important, given that, unfortunately, my answer to your twofold question is you can still get it. Thank you very much. Excellent question. question. Yes, ma'am. I would like to know uh, how, is it necessary to wear two masks at one time? That's an excellent question. I was hoping someone would ask because I have done quite a bit of research just today on this issue. Mask wearing has to be done in a very specific way. And what we're finding this far into this is that most people are not wearing their masks correctly. So what they're thinking is maybe it's the way that we're telling people how to wear them. Maybe people just aren't going to understand this. What can we do instead? So you are going to see a lot of recommendations, not from the CDC, but from other groups that are going to say, well, just wear two masks almost like we can't get people to wear one mask correctly so maybe we'll do better with two but you can wear one mask if it's multi-layered for example my mom made me a lovely cloth mask she got a little sewing pattern off the internet she wanted to help me as a nurse but you know she only used one piece of cotton material for that sewed cloth I have to have a heart to tell her that it doesn't meet any guidelines and it won't protect me. That would be at least a three layers of cloth if you're going to make a cloth one or you buy a three layered mask. And that's because it'll protect the particles from going through the cloth itself. So that's another reason why you're going to hear this idea of wearing two masks because it's been very difficult to explain to people it has to be a three layered mask. The easiest way to know if it's strong enough or thick enough is to hold it up to a bright light. And if you can't see the light through it, it's going to protect you. If you can see the light through it, it's probably not strong enough and you'll need a second mask. The recommendation from the CDC if you do wear two masks is to wear your cloth mask next to your mouth and then wear a disposable mask over it. And the way that you can make sure that a mask is working is there should be no gap on the side. It should be very form-fitting, not tight or causing, you'll see those pictures of nurses with a too tight mask on with rings around their face. Your mask should never be that tight, but it should not be loose with gaps or holes on the side. Excellent. Does that answer your question, ma'am? Yes. Thank you. You're great, great questions. Anyone else? Uh, I've got one other question I'd like to ask uh, before we go on. Um, <clears throat> are, are, is the CDC uh, expecting this COVID virus to be eradicated completely, or is this one of those things that's going to be with us for the next decade? Well, I think that's a great question, and I've been waiting for a reporter to ask Dr. Fauci because most people in medicine really believe that this is with us, 
and will not be eradicated. However, like the flu virus, we believe that as we know more, we'll be able to have vaccines more regularly, maybe on an annual basis, like a flu vaccine, that will be able to anticipate the variant that's out there and reduce people's risk of getting it. The other thing that um, is hopeful about COVID that is not hopeful about the flu is that we believe that this particular virus that we can develop what's called a herd immunity. So as 70 or 80% of us cannot get the virus because we've been vaccinated, it protects essentially everyone. So even if 20 or 30% of the population elects not to get vaccinated, we can still protect all of us if, as long as we meet that critical threshold of at least 70%. And that's why you'll hear from the CDC really encouraging people to get the vaccine is because we're trying to create that herd immunity that does not eradicate the virus. It just reduces the likelihood of people getting it. That's another excellent question. Excellent. Teresa, this passed the phone. I'm hoping that science finds out how to get rid of it, but I, I don't have a lot of hope in that just yet, but I'm hoping mm -hmm. science figures that out. Mm -hmm. Teresa, this Pastor Thorpe, I, I have a, 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 I guess, a, a pastoral uh, question. Um, we're, um, um, as a church, we're um, presently we're not gathering physically um, at this present time, and uh, still uh, uh, thinking about having the conversation, maybe potentially um, um, coming back. Um, um, possibly um, April. Again, that's up in the air. Nothing is set in stone, but we're having the conversation, um, Teresa. Uh, I just uh, sent out a, um, a, a working uh, survey. And so we're trying to get thoughts and, and see how uh, congregants feel um, about that returning to worship. Speaking of returning to worship, um, as it relates to congregations, what are some essentials that need to be in place from your perspective whenever um, any church, any of our churches return? What needs to be in place? Of course, we know a, a, a deep cleaning and, and et cetera. But what are some specifics uh, that needs to be in place? That, that's a great question. And the CDC only recently, um, I believe in the last two weeks, mm -hmm. has finally come out with what they're calling quote-unquote holiday tips. Basically, realizing that many people in this country during whether it's the Easter holiday season or, or whatever religious holidays or other special occasions are coming up here in this time of year, how can we stay safe? They have what I, in medicine, we call an algorithm, which is basically a decision tree. How to make the decision, each decision along the way, so that you can reduce harm. So they, their decision tree, I wrote it out because I thought it was really interesting, actually. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, they're saying, if you are concerned, stay home. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to take the risk of infection, here's the steps that you need to take in order to reduce how likely it is that you'll get COVID. The first thing that they said was to get vaccinated two times, right? Mm -hmm. And wait the 10 days after. Mm -hmm. And so if you are thinking of 
getting together at, for Easter or in, in, in April as a congregation, mm-hmm. you can kind of do the timeline or the calendaring of getting that vaccine. And I know that it's open to over 65-year-olds in your community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The second thing is to be able to meet people outside. Okay. Um, I know the weather has not been in your favor recently with that, but the weather can change. An outdoor environment, because that fresh air circulating doesn't, um, it doesn't make it so that the respiratory droplets from COVID will necessarily land on you. It kind of like picks up those droplets and takes them away. If you think of a windy day, it, it takes all of it away, really. Maintaining the six foot distance, so having markers has been really helpful as you've seen in the grocery store to help people understand where is six feet. Mm-hmm. Having disposable masks available so that if someone wants to put on a secondary mask, they can. That's very helpful. We're doing that in our hospital. Okay. We're offering everyone a second mask. Mm-hmm. Also, not sharing any food or utensils. Everyone brings either their own food or everything is prepackaged individually. Having a hand hygiene stations everywhere. For example, as you walk in the door or as you walk through the entranceway, um, maybe scattered throughout, if you have chairs sitting outside, having little hand washing, hand hygiene stations is very helpful. Because the research shows that if you're inside with poorly circulating air, near someone without a mask who has COVID for more than 15 minutes, that 24 hour period, you will get the disease. Okay. So you can see that since we know what can cause the disease now in terms of how close you are to someone and under what circumstances, we can then pretty much recommend the opposite, right? Stay outside with the air circulating, stay more than six feet, have a good sealed mask on or two masks, hand hygiene. And here's what I was most disappointed with. Was that they have found that both singing and talking loudly projects your respiratory droplets even further than the six feet. Okay. So just know that even if you're outside and you're keeping the six feet, they're, they are strongly recommending not to sing or talk loudly okay. because your droplets will actually spread much further. I've seen reports up to 32 feet with that. My Lord. Okay. Oh. Yes. My Lord. That's and good, so Teresa. To me, taking into consideration that data, that will dictate how you feel you can most safely bring people together, if at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you, Teresa. Um, those who just joined us, this is great information. Uh, this helps us, and I know those who can attest uh, that um, um, all of this is good and good information. Anybody have any other uh, additional questions while uh, Teresa is with us? No additional questions, but it was good information. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And um, again, the best information that's updated every day is on the cdc.gov website. Excellent. Uh, Teresa, uh, b- before we let you go, um, I want first of all, 
I say thank you for your, your time and just sharing the information. You've been a blessing to uh, the, the church and, and to all of us. Um, I know you recently, uh, and you, uh, you you don't have to share, but you recently done some um, um, some writing. You have a book coming out soon. connection thank you thank you so much but we're excited um, for you and again thank you for your time and sharing with us tonight on on this topic of uh, of health and this connection with uh, the Easter season as we celebrate um Ash Wednesday um, just one one final thought uh, Teresa um, David talks about um, thirsting um, after God and we know that uh, Easter deals with the the uh, the resurrection and uh, as a time of celebration, but also a time of repentance. Um, when you think of Easter, when you think of um, Ash Wednesday, is there any particular imagery or image you mentioned? You're a writer, so uh, I'm sure uh, words imagery is important to you. Uh, what, what does all of this in this Lenten season suggest? Well, when you were reading from the Book of Psalms to us, um, I was hearing it, or I should say seeing many visions as you were talking. And what I really liked was when you said of your interpretation of we all fall short. Okay. I wrote that down, and I and I know I have to write a poem about that. <laughs> we all fall short. Wow. And I just appreciate it so much that you said we all. It's not in judgment of any one person. We all fall short. It doesn't mean that we have done something that we can't get repent for. Mm -hmm. And and that just meant everything to me. So when that poem is written, I will share that with you. <laughs> because I was, I was seeing through your words a lot of visions and poetry. Wow. Don't know if I have 
beyond anything that I, I consider past that, but I can tell you inspired me. Thank you. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, I, I think it's so important, everyone, as we begin to wrap up, I, I think Reverend Featherstone is with us to close us out in prayer. Um, we, we read earlier Psalms 51, and we talked about relevant, the relevancy of, of the vaccinations and also our health. And when we talk about repentance in this Lenten season, um, there's always actions that follow repentance because repentance it has to be sincere and as we said earlier David was honest in his prayer and his thirst and his repentance so even in this the time of pandemic let, let us turn to God and when we look at the Lenten season and Ash Wednesday it's, 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 it's a it's a it's a turning, a turning towards God. The psalmist says, I lift my eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. And so David really understands what it means to be sincere. And so not only are you inspired tonight, I'm inspired by all of you being present tonight. And I just believe as has been said, that David helps us to understand uh, the importance of repentance. Because it's not about just judgment, but it's about fellowship. And I believe tonight I'm asking that God continue to uh, fellowship with us. Fellowship with one another. Continue to connect with each other. Even in these are some critical times. So let's call our attention because repentance, it opens the way of blessing. I'll prove it to you. John says that God saw their works and they turned from what they were doing. And then he said he would bring upon them blessings. So, so my point is, Repentance opens the way for blessings. And I'm just excited for the church and what God is doing even in this, this Lenten season. But it not only prepares the way, Teresa, it prepares the way for God's kingdom. Matthew said, from this time, Jesus began to preach. And this is what he said. He says, for repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> It, it's the already, but not yet. Isn't that something? It's the already, but not yet. Tonight, as God forgives and restores us, Reverend, I'm going to ask Reverend uh, Featherstone to just pray God's blessings tonight, if she don't mind. And I'm going to ask that you pray for uh, the following families. Let me, let me uh, ask, uh, is there anybody... Maybe a family member, maybe you, anybody in need of prayer tonight. We want to close with prayer. All right. Sister Bailey. With this gout on my left leg. Okay. We praying strength tonight from our sister. All right. In, anyone else in, in, in need of prayer? A family member, a friend, a co-worker. Anybody? 
I want to also lift up um, uh, Reverend Featherstone. Are you still with us? Okay. I want to add to the prayer list um, our brother um, uh, J.T. Horton. We want to add him to the prayer list. We also want to add um, uh, Sister Sullivan and uh, Sister Stokes to the prayer list. Let's also add the, the Spiver family, uh, the Corbett, the Corbett family, the Forrest family, um, the Mason um, family, the Lord family, Sister Melissa Rogers. Let's add her to the prayer list and the, the Henry family and um, a Sister O'Neill. Let's add her to the prayer. Let's also pray for those. We on the East Coast, uh, Sister Teresa, uh, the Dark family, uh, they've been talking about a storm coming this way, Teresa. So we want to pray over those who may be affected by the storm. Uh, on Monday, on Sunday, there were a lot of outages um, in this area. So we want to pray over uh, the families um, as well. Uh, are there any other prayer requests before we pray uh, over the names that uh, were mentioned um, earlier? Okay, um, let us pray. All right, Sister um, August Nicole Bailey, let's keep her lifted in prayer as well. Uh, let us pray at this time. God, we, we're thankful tonight. God, we thank you for you allowing us to, to come as humbly as we know how. God, we come now just first of all, thanking you for being a, gr a gracious God. You've been good to us. You've been good to the church. You've been good to our families, God. And we thank you now for allowing us just to fellowship with the Savior. You're awesome, God, and we're grateful for that. We thank you for the fellowship. But it's through your son, Jesus, who died on Calvary for each of us. He's the way, the life, and we're grateful for that. So, God, I'm, I come asking, I come now, we come now asking for a, a hedge of protection around the families that were mentioned. God, we pray let no trouble fall them tonight. God, keep them tonight in, in your hand. Keep them. Give them peace of mind. Bless the families that were mentioned. God, we know that you're well enabled. You've all you've done it before. You, you, you can do it again. So God, preserve families tonight. We pray your protection over our homes, God. We pray for each family member. Continue to be that, that sanctuary of blessing tonight. You've always been there for us. And I'm forever grateful. Comfort families tonight. If somebody is hurting God, heal them. And, and if they're having that aching heart, heal them, God. If they're feeble within their body, give them strength tonight. God, you've always been there for us. Be that resting place. Maybe there's somebody struggling spiritually. We're asking tonight, God, that you steal a shelter in that time of storm. God, I pray, God, that you keep the, the hand of the enemy at bay tonight, God. That you cover us. We trusting in your 
your mighty power. You're blessing families. You, you're blessing churches. But bless us with your presence tonight. You said it. You said in, in your presence it's the fullness of joy. Give us that unspeakable joy tonight, God. Be always with us. Because you are the great physician, our healer tonight. God, we can always count on you. Touch us tonight in this Ash Wednesday with healing hands. God, send forth your word, God. Heal diseases tonight. Let your healing flow from every cell, every tissue tonight, God. You still are able. You're able, God. I'm trusting in your power, God. Do only what you do best. And that is you restore. You resuscitate. You bring back to life. Bring us back to the place. That place is in you, God. Have your way tonight. We speak against anxiety. We speak against depression. We speak against anything that's not of God. Renew hearts tonight. Renew spirits. And when it's all said and done, we can say if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, you've done great things, God. And for that, we give you the glory. I love you tonight, God. You've always been there for me. You've been there for those who are on the call tonight. Now, God, bless us like only you can bless. In Jesus' name, the name that's above every name. Amen. We agree together. Amen. Amen. God bless y'all tonight. Thank you. May heaven smile upon you. Teresa, thank you. We love you. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you. Bless you. Well, you all have a good night again. Thank you, church. Thank you to those who are with us and those who are with us in spirit. God bless your bones. Have a good night. Amen. 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 Thank you. God bless you. Have a good night. God bless you. Have a good night. Be blessed. Thank you. Be blessed. Be blessed. Thank you. Oh, this is the thing that the Lord has made.